Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. is it that you've been working on, striving to overcome? What situation, what predicament, what circumstance that you've been working on for years and somehow you figured that you've run out of time? What issue continues to trip you up? To the point to where you think you'll never get over your situation. What is it when you look in the mirror and you say, if I could only overcome that thing, if I just had another chance, I'll stop by to tell somebody it's not too late. I know there are some times in our lives that we pursue some things and it seems like there's one closed door after another. It seems like we arrive just mm, a little bit too late. Sometimes we're striving, we're trying to overcome the sin in our lives. We're trying to overcome situations. And it seems like we just can't find our way. This morning, I want somebody to know it's not too late. Don't give up on that thing. Don't give up on that dream. Don't give up on that situation. It's not too late. Listen, as we go and we look at it, it's not too late to make the call to that person who you know you need to seek forgiveness. It's not too late. You may have put it off for years. It's not too late. And God is here today. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's something that you're dealing with that keeps tripping you up. And I'm saying it's not too late. Don't give up on it. I know it's been a while now. It seems like it's not going to change, but it's not too late. It's not too late to make good on your word. What promise? Have you made? And you know because you didn't fulfill it, it's caused hurt. It's caused some pain. Somebody's struggling because you didn't keep your word. It's not too late. It's not too late to turn it around. And I know it seems like every time you get yourself going, it seems like the enemy comes and he knocks you off your square. And you find yourself in an obscure place. And you can't seem to pick you, put your foot on the ground. But I'm saying it's not too late to turn it around. Right here? Right, right here? Right and here's why I always say it every time we come. Because there's an urgency to the word of God. Like it's, it's right here, right now. We don't know the next opportunity we're going to get. So sometimes we've got to do the best we can when we can. It's not too late. As I said before, look. If you want to know um, what we're going to talk about, if my people who are called by my name, and he breaks it down, humble themselves. The first thing, if we're going to go and pursue God with our whole hearts, if we got to find out how we can just humble ourselves. You know, sometimes we don't want to just give people a chance to get in. 
We've been positioned. We've been placed in a situation where we think it's all about us. And right now, God is saying sometimes we got to humble ourselves. He says, humble ourselves and pray. Seek his face. Close the door. Go into that secret place, that secret closet where it's just you and him. When the spirit of God shows up, wherever that is, don't leave it. If you find where the anointing, when you know the anointing of God is showing up in that place, keep yourself in the presence of an almighty God. That's where you want to be. That's where the anointing breaks the yoke. Humble yourselves, pray, seek his face, and turn. Oftentimes, we don't want to humble ourselves because our flesh is so gratified by the thing. But we know it's only temporary. But God is saying right now that we have to turn. We can't keep going down that same road. We already know where that leads. So God is saying right here, right now, it's time to make a change. Amen. Change your perspective. Somebody told me change your, change your life. When we turn, the promise is that he's going to hear our prayers. Let this be foundation. Matter of fact, highlight this in your Bible. Put a bookmark. Fold the page. This is the foundation. We talk about repentance all the time. This is what God has called for the people of God to do. Humble yourselves. Pray. Seek his face. And turn. The promise is that he will forgive you. And heal your land. Heal your marriage. Heal your situation. Heal your bodies. Everything we need, God's got it. It's time to turn. Amen. So he says to us. He says, listen, repent. What does that mean? Think differently. Be ye transformed. Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, Brandon, by the renewing of our minds. So God is saying to all of us, if we're going to repent, we've got to change the way we think. To turn away from evil and turn to God. There are some things right now, right this minute. We know it's waiting. There's some thoughts There's some screens. There's some people. We know the issue. We know the situation. Can I just say this? The Bible is very clear. If we do not repent, he says we're going to perish. Listen, the Bible is clear. There's full of grace and mercy. And sometimes we, we rely all on God's grace and mercy as if judgment is not coming. If we don't repent and turn... Judgment will come. I know it's tight. It is my responsibility to make certain, not only for me, but for all of us. I'm held accountable. Listen, all I'm saying is this. We got to know to repent is to change your mind. And to change your mind, sometimes you need to change your location. You can't keep doing the same things, keep going to the same place, keep talking to the same people. God says you got to understand, if you're going to make a change, it's more than words. It's more than a recital of words and say, God, I'm sorry. No, God says you got to pursue, change your mind, and turn from your wicked ways. The act of leaving what God has prohibited and is returning to what God has commanded. We have the spirit of truth. The Bible says that when we become a believer, and I'm certain you've heard me say this three, four, or five times because it is foundational. As the people of God, he's given us the ability to become a son and a daughter of God. If we believe on his word and accept 
the love that he's come to give. He's given us the right to become a son or a daughter. And when it happens, he promises us, he told us, I have to go away. Because if I don't go away, my father can't send the comforter, the advocate, the Holy Ghost to come and to dwell and to live inside of each believer. So I'm saying to somebody right here, right now, you know the truth. The spirit of truth won't allow you to do the thing you want to do and not bring it to your remembrance, not make you uncomfortable. But your flesh, our flesh, overwhelms it for the moment. God is saying, repent and turn. There are a lot of questions throughout the Bible, and I'm going to get to this one. A lot of questions. Job would probably ask the question, why is it that the righteous suffer? Jason David might ask, why is it that the wicked seems to prosper? Habakkuk might ask, okay, God, how long? I've been crying out to you, how long will the righteous be oppressed by, by the people? You're not doing nothing, God. How long? Then there's this question. This question is, uh, Jesus picks up on it, and there was a, a, a killing and a mingling of blood of, of people's sacrifices and, and the blood sacrifices and their own blood. And so the question was, Jesus, do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people of Galilee because they died such a horrific death? He's like, no, not at all. Life happens. Situations happen. We've got to be careful and think that when we peep somebody and what they're going through and think they must have done something. Not all suffering equates to great sin. Sometimes it's just life. I'm saying, listen, all of us are just a couple clicks away from being in a different situation. There are some self-inflicted wounds, but Jesus is saying, no, done at all. He said, and by the way, if you don't repent, you're going to perish too. Then he goes on, I'm just saying. He says, and what about the 18 people, Jesus said, that the Tower of Siloam fell on, like unexpectedly? What about those folks? No, has nothing to do with their great sin. It has to do with the fact that, look, if you don't repent, you're going to perish too. It's tight. Listen, if we don't want to know the truth, then we got a problem. One of the things, if you know better, mama, then you can do better. So, as we look at our text, Jesus connects verses 1 through 5 to verses 6 through 9. He goes on to tell a story that is connected to the clarion call of repentance. He goes on to tell the story, say, look, and I like the King James, but I'm getting down with the New Living Translation too, so I'm cool with that. But the King James said, a certain man had a vineyard. Here it says, a man planted a fig tree in the garden and came again and again to see if there were any fruit on it, but he was always disappointed. The certain man in this parable is God. We are the trees. We are the tree. We'll learn later that there's a gardener that's also a part of this garden. 
But this tree was planted in good soil, in a good surrounding. It planted in a good place, like the church. This tree was not a wayward tree. This tree was in a garden, a place where there was good soil, a place where there was Bible study, a place where there was choir singing and service and feeding food, people food. This was a good tree planted in good soil with good surroundings and people who was going after the word of God, people who knew how to get a prayer through. This tree was planted in good location. And in a season, the owner came looking for some fruit. I want to tell somebody that you were planted with a purpose. I am, you are, we are planted with a purpose. That, that, God, that God, he placed us here. He placed you in locations that you are. He put you in that situation. God knew what he was doing. You are planted with a purpose. This is not a wayward tree found by the side of the road in a valley. This is the tree that is in a vineyard, likely hedged about with a fence and protected, holy and set apart. This is the tree that was fixed and put and set exactly where the owner wanted it. He was positioned, had all that was needed, all the provisions was there, all the water he could have, all the nourishment, but yet when the owner came a little bit closer and began to examine, couldn't find any fruit at all, none. Listen. Somebody right now, God planted you in your marriage. He knew exactly who it was he was linking you up with. He knew the struggle you would have. He knew with the joys. God planted you with a purpose. He planted you in your family. I know he planted me in my family. I know he gave me my mama. <laughs> Ain't no doubt about it in the world. Because she, her fruit was so sweet. Her love, her peace, and her joy, her long-suffering, putting up with me. He put, he placed, he planted me, and he planted her in that family. He planted you on your job. Planted you in that relationship. He placed you in this community. He planted Hope Elam in this community. We're planted with a purpose. I'm going to tie in repent to the fruit. When John the Baptist first came and came preaching in the wilderness, his message was clear. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. There's one that's coming that's much greater than I am. Y'all think, because he was preaching in the wilderness, trust me. He was drawing people from all over the place coming out in the wilderness to hear the word of God. He was preaching. But there was a certain group that came forth, the Pharisees. They said, you vipers, you snakes. He said, I don't know who warned you to come out here, but you're here now. He said, look, prove by the way you live your life that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. King James says, bring forth therefore fruit meat or fit for repentance. I'm saying repentance is tied to our fruits. We can say one thing and do another. God says it's time for no more lip service. God says if you know there's some things you ought to get right, 
Turn from your wicked ways. Oh, Jesus. Tomorrow is not promised. This is not a guilt trip. This is real. This is like right here, there's an urgency in what God is doing. So if we're planted with a purpose, how do we bear fruit fit for repentance? You got to do whatever it takes to get it right. Whatever it is that is tripping you up, you can't stay isolated by yourself. Call on that sister or that brother. Call on someone to say, can you walk with me? Can, can you help me to open up scripture? Can you help me to overcome, put me in contact with a counselor? Can you help me to overcome that thing? I can't do it by myself. Every time I try to go, the door seems to close. It seems like I'm too late. I stop by to tell somebody it's not too late. It's going to be hard. I heard somebody say, look, um, let's stop waiting for stuff to get easier. It's not going to get easier. We've got to manage hard better. God says to us, bear fruit, fit for repentance. Clearly demonstrate that we've changed. We ought to live and reflect a lifestyle that we have a change of our words and our actions. There ought to be some evidence there's been a change in our lives. God is saying, listen, I, trust me, it will stick all the way through. And if you get tired of hearing, I'm just trying to make we learn the repetition. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, he says, I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive them of their sins and heal their land. Everything we need, God's got it. This tree, verse 7 says, finally, he said, yeah, he said to the gardener, I've waited three years, and there hasn't been a single fig cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. Wait a minute. The patience of waiting three years over and over and over again, coming, expecting to find fruit and finding none. Figs typically grow before leaves on fig trees. So when there were leaves, there should be an indication that there's fruit. So the owner could look and see from a distance that there should be some fruit on that tree. So as he goes expecting to find fruit, he doesn't find any. God is a God of expectation. But he's also a God of judgment. God says, listen, I planted you with a purpose, so produce where you're planted. Wherever you are, wherever God's got you, I don't know what tomorrow might bring. I don't know the next job or the next situation. But God says we got to produce where we're planted. So whatever the situation is, God is saying, look, I've been patient. I've been practical. I'm not asking for uh, a bundle of figs. I'm not asking for a bushel of figs. One? He's like, no, 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 no. It becomes pernicious. 
You get that when you get pernicious. It becomes subtly harmful to the ground. You know, there's some folks who really, uh, this is not talking about people, but I've seen it, hang around the church and a lot of that. And don't want to repent, don't want to be in fellowship, don't want. But the longer they live to hang around, the more they impact other, impact other people. The owner is saying, I can't let you, I can't let this tree just take up ground and take up space. Cut it down. Not one fruit. It's tight. So, 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 you know God has been patient with you. And it's been more than three years, more than just another chance. But over and over and over, he's waiting. He's been right there. And soon as he sends somebody to the church, soon as he sends somebody to the believer, we can't even listen. We can't even give them a time of day to be patient, to understand what they're going through. God has said, I'm calling you to bear fruit. God is a God of judgment. Okay, so he says, look, in case we're talking about what kind of fruit, we know it's fruit fit for repentance, but the fruit of the Spirit. Listen, saints of God, the fruit of the Spirit, can we just love? Amen. Bring peace? God has positioned and planted us in many of places and situations. Can we bring a little bit more long-suffering? Can if we want to repent, we want to turn from our wicked way, God says, I need you to be the tree that I created. I need you to bear the fruit that I intended. God says, if you can't do it, I can find somebody who can. God says, do it while you got time. He says, turn from your wicked ways. The fruit, goodness and gentleness and faithfulness. We are planted with a purpose, and it's not too late. But we got to produce where we're planted. God is a God of expectations. He's a God of judgment. But also pruning is part of the process. I have to work with me on this one. Because pruning typically deals with vines and plants. But I found some pruning happening with this fig tree. John 15 would say, um, Jesus said, I am the vine and ye are the branches. He said, my he said, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. He said, but without me, you can't do nothing. You're just good enough to be gathered and burned as branches. But with those branches, he said he would prune, he would cut back the dirt and debris from the vine so that there would be more opportunities for growth. And I was thinking, okay, where is the pruning in this text? The gardener answered and said, sir, he said, give it one more chance. He says in the King James, he says, leave it alone. Here it says, leave it another year. And I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, that's fine. And if not, then cut it down. And I thought to myself, I was like, we have the owner with the command. He said, cut it down. You have the gardener who says, Leave it alone. And there's a little tension in the text. But there is a great intercessor working on our behalf. At the same time, judgment is speaking. 
Grace and mercy is having a conversation. At the same time, judgment says, cut it down. The intercessor, the advocate, the great I am says, leave it alone. There was a tree, Deshaun, in Matthew 21, verse 18. When Jesus had just finished his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, it was getting close. And after he had turned over some, some tables in the church, he says he was coming back to Jerusalem, Matthew 21, 18. And he says that he was hungry and saw a tree, saw a fig tree. And he went to the fig tree because it was in season. He saw the fig tree, but when he got there, he didn't find no fruit. The Bible says he cursed that tree and it withered immediately. That tree was on the side of the road. We here in the garden. We here under the grace and the mercy. We here in the church. We here as the people of God in the vineyard with another chance. <sighs> Immediately, he cursed that fig tree. Why? That fig tree um, was more seemingly hypocritical because. It showed leaves, and it should indicate that there's some fruit, but he goes over there, and there's no fruit. Jesus said, uh-uh, I'm not having that. He said, it's like the Pharisees who wash the outside of the cup. It looks like they're all that. looks like they're serving. looks like they're teaching. He said, but the inside is full of filth. He said, I don't got time for that. He said, look, I'm too close. And it withered. But we hear it's not too late. The adversary, the, the, the advocate, says to the owner, he says, let me work on it one more year. Let me give it some special attention. Special attention. God is God of another chance. He said, look, at least in the King James, let me dig about it. And let me dung it. Let me work on it a little bit. Anybody God still working on right here, right now? That he's, you're work in progress? Sometimes. And I see you. Sometimes the digging for fig trees, it's like to build a trench all around the base of the tree, to break up the roots, because the roots are so comfortable that they keep consuming the water, they keep consuming the nutrients, they keep consuming the word, they keep consuming the songs, they keep, and they become compact and dry that the water don't even penetrate anymore just runs off, so the roots runs off. They're not running deep. And so he, he said, let me dig about the tree so I can break up some of the roots. And by breaking up some of the roots, it, it disturbs. It, it provides some, some adversity in the roots. It provides some affliction in the roots. And the roots say, well, I'm about to die. The tree said, I'm about to die. i got to find another way to stay alive. And it start to reach out with more roots and start to grow. You wonder why there's some adversity in our lives, why there's some affliction, why there's some things that, because he's got to get our attention. He's got to get our special attention. He allows for us to go through some things because we're just consuming. God says if you're going to bear fruit, sometimes you've got to go through some stuff to get to some stuff so you can do some stuff. Hallelujah. And unfortunately, we just, you know, well, I'm good. I'm good. God says no. God says I need you. To be a blessing to somebody else. I planted you with a purpose. A purpose to bear fruit. So you've got to produce where you're planted. And pruning is part of the process. 
You've got to break up some sorrow. We've got to break up some stuff. And by the way, after you go through, sometimes it's going to get a little hard. He's going to allow for some fertilizer, some manure, some rubble to mix in with the roots. But it's going to make a difference. After the digging, after the dunging, what God wants is our discipline. He's like, look. Somebody's going to be like, I got it, Pastor. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Sometimes you got to go through some stuff. Sometimes you got to allow God to go through the process. So, okay. A lot of times when we're struggling, we don't have a fruit problem. We have a root problem. Because the root determines the fruit. Your heart, what's in your heart will come out of your mouth. We can say a lot of stuff, but he told them, prove that you have changed by the way you live your life. Repent. Turn. New words, new actions, new conversations, new direction, new... Hey, sometimes with the pruning, everybody can't go. That's why the discipline. God says, look, let me... Let me look, you can't get on time to be on time. You're going to continue to be late if you don't get rid of this one, this one, and that one. Sometimes we choose culture over Christ. Sometimes we choose our country over Christ. Sometimes we choose our kinfolk and our cousins and over Christ. When God is saying, I want your heart, you're going to have to stand before me in judgment. God says, return. All right. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. On a continual basis where that's all you do. Everything that comes out of you is just evil and bad. And an evil and bad fruit can't produce good. It says a fig, a tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes. Grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. What are you talking about? With the same tongue, the same tongue, we say hallelujah. And then soon as our flesh rises up, oh, I know them words. <laughs> I'm just not using them. And you don't have to either. That's the point. We're going to have to give account for every idle word. Right here? All right, we're going to turn the page. Listen, it's not too late. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. That's in Luke, the third chapter. I'm not going way back. to. I'm sure it's there, but this is right here, right now. He's saying the axe is at the root of the tree, poised, ready. Says to us, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. It's not too late. 
Jesus, right here, right now, standing in the gap. He's having a conversation. Let me work on it. Let me dig about it. Let me give it another chance. You know, let me give it some special attention. Let me allow for some things to happen. Let me walk them through this one more time. I know, I know I, I changed the, the diagnosis and the x-ray. I know I, I brought their family through that. I know, I know I brought this and I done that. He said, but give me one more year. And maybe, maybe they will produce fruit. He's our advocate. Standing in the gap. He's, uh, he's at work as our vine dresser, as our gardener in this place. He says that we are worthy. He died that we might get not only another chance, but over and over and over. But God's mercy won't, it won't be forever. There's coming a time judgment comes. So stay the course. Amen? All right. So now what? I say to you, what are we going to do now? Come on, if you ain't getting nothing else, you better find a way to your space and say, okay, God, here I am. Okay, God, here's not only my lip service, but God, here's my heart. God, change my life. Change my actions. God, I need help. It's not too late to repent. Amen? We have hope in Jesus. Everything we need, God's got it. Amen? Amen. 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 Put your hands together for an almighty God. What's up? much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.